Welcome to the Catalyst Life Coaching Podcast with John Kim and Noelle Cordeaux. If you're inspired to begin your own life coaching practice or just want to learn a little bit more about what it's all about, visit journey.co. That's J-R-N-I dot C-O for more information. Your adventure awaits. Hey guys, today on the Catalyst Life Coaching Podcast, we are going to talk about how our voices don't belong to us, and we're going to try to answer as many questions as we can. Noel Cordeaux, how are you? I'm well, how are you? I'm doing well. So we talk a lot about life coaching or anything under the umbrella of life coaching, and I had a session the other day, and uh, this person, um, she was talking about all the voices that we hear or uh, you know, that she hears in her head, and I could definitely relate because I hear a lot of voices in my head throughout the day, and they're conflicting. And as we were processing, um, I had this revelation that a lot of voices that we hear actually don't belong to us. And what I mean by that is, you know, they're the residue from um, parents, from past relationships, from society, from, you know, our siblings, our friends. And so I wanted to ask you, Noel, what do you think of that? And how much of what goes on in between our ears are actually not our truth, but from external sources. It's, it's such a big deal and it's such a reality. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's something that I think everyone must contend with. Um, as you were talking, I was thinking about all of the clients that I've worked with to specifically identify what that voice is and where it came from. And a really important piece of this from a coaching technique is to um, identify how old you were mm. when that voice first showed up. And there's actually a technique that we teach in the Catalyst Intensive called Gremlins. And this technique uh, is designed to help people work with those voices. And the way that it works is you, it relies on externalization, where you take that voice you give it a face and a name, perhaps you even figure out how old you were when that voice first came to be, and then you get it outside of your body and you contend with it as, as it is, as its own entity. And you can then, um, that trips your prefrontal cortex into functioning, whereas before your limbic system was functioning um, and your limbic system governs your emotions your prefrontal cortex governs logic. Mm. So when those voices kick up, we're in our emotional brain. And in order to get back to our logical brain, we need to identify them. And we all know that when we're in our emotional brain, we may make a lot of decisions um, based on emotions that you know aren't necessarily true. And we may be reacting or we may make decisions that we regret later because we're pulling from emotion. Oh yeah, 100%. Um, a fun fact about our brains is that uh, when our emotional brain turns on, our logical brain turns off and the two are incapable of functioning at the same time. Mm. So this is really interesting. And I think um, this is great because it sheds light on sometimes, you know, uh, where we pull from and why we make the, the kind of decisions that we make. Uh, and also, I think that if we are making decisions that are uh, not completely honest to us, but they're impacted by other voices that we hear, you know, um, things that have been ingrained, old blueprints, etc. Uh, and they may, they may also be your own voices, but not from your current self. So you may be 
making decisions on a lot of who you used to be and how you used to think, not so much uh, who you want to be. Absolutely. And I think a really super duper important thing to consider, and everybody's unique. So everybody has a, a completely different response to these voices. Right. But um, something that I have seen pretty freaking consistently in 10 years of coaching is that the voices knowing that they exist in your limbic system, knowing that they put you in your emotional brain, knowing that they re remove you from your capacity to um, engage in logic, the outcome of that kind of clusterfuck is that people go on autopilot mm -hmm. and they revert to old unconscious behaviors. Right. And, you know, um, our unconscious, our subconscious is, is like 90% of that's, that's, where, that's where we pull from. It's, it not, it's not logic. It is. And I, I have a great example that I want to give from, from one of my own clients. Yeah, um, for sure. So I was working with this client on um, weight loss, overeating, eating. And so as a coach, uh, my job was to kind of get in her head with her and understand what happens from a 360 degree perspective. So, you know, what's the behavior that she wants to stop? Um, she wanted to stop binge eating. Okay, well, when do you binge eat? I binge eat when I first get home from work. Okay, well, walk me through what happens when you walk through the door and you get home from work. Well, the first thing I see is my empty apartment and it's dark. Okay, well, what happens next? And she told me that this uh, voice started playing in her head saying, you're old, you're fat, you don't have anyone to share your life with, you don't have children, you're a failure as a woman. And I was like, whoa, mm. that's pretty intense. Whose voice is that? Right. And she said, oh, that's my mom. Yeah. And I, I was like, whoa. So, you know, how do you want to deal with this? How do you want to contend with it? And what we ended up doing was was giving um, that voice a name and a face and, and its own entity so that when it started up, she was able to differentiate, externalize, and say, hey, mom, go fuck yourself. Yeah. You know, like, yeah get out of my head. Like, and, and so that way she didn't unconsciously walk to the pantry, which is what was happening and just eat bag after bag of chips to self soothe, which is a perfectly normal reaction. If you have all that, you know, noise going on in your head. Yeah. I love that story. Uh, and also I think many can relate to their voices coming from their parents. Um, I like that. So this is step one is to be aware of the voices, where they're coming from and realizing that they're not yours. I think that's the, the, the first step, right? Yep. And that creates distance. And then you can actually stop internalizing and knowing, know that the, that this voice or whatever this person is saying, whether it's you're fat or you're, you know, dumb or you're an idiot or whatever, um, that there's there it's, it's not truthful it's coming from someone else so it's easier to not internalize that what do you think is step two once you're aware of this step two is replace so it's 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 kind of like catch and release you know so you have to figure so once you figure out that this voice is coming to you um from outside of yourself it's like okay put it in the box right get it out of the container that is me and then step two is to replace it with what you want to realistically think feel and experience instead what you want to think feel and experience instead and the, the second part is so very important because so many people are great at identifying the voices, but then they don't replace them. And so you're stuck with this empty space. You're stuck with this residue. You're, you're stuck with 
um, as you said, an absence of your current identity, right? So when you replace the thought from a neurobiology perspective, what's going on in your brain is that neurons that haven't ever met each other before start ramming into each other because this is a new way of thinking and being, and then they fuse and they form a new neuropathway that is a new road for your thoughts to travel down. And that is how you rewire your brain using neuroplasticity so that you're no longer subject to those really um, terrible gut-wrenching feelings that often accompany those icky voices. Thank God you're the other half of this podcast because uh, <laughs> I, I, um, I talk to myself a lot all day and I have another podcast, but it's refreshing to have uh, some science behind me, you know? Well, um, you know, we're a team. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I love this and I think that many can relate to um, hearing the voices. And then so the step one is to um, create distance by recognizing that some of your voices are not yours. And then uh, step two would be to replace them. And I love that you said experience, right? Yes. Um, I'm a huge fan of experiences. I think there's nothing more convincing than an experience. So, you know, we could visualize, and I know there's a power in that. I visualize all day. I'm a dreamer. I see things. Um, you also mentioned feeling in your body, which I think is huge, right? The, the mind-body yep. connection, but also giving yourself a new experience. And so um, – you could think for for example, if you've been in a, a, a toxic or abusive relationships, you could think about what a healthy one would look like. You could read about it. You could watch video courses on it, all that. But when you actually give yourself that experience and you actually taste it, I think that's the most powerful as far as internal shifting. It is, and and this doesn't have to be. Um revolutionary. I think people listening might say, well, how do I give myself that experience? Right. Let's go back to the example that I used of my former client um, with the binge eating and coming home to an empty apartment. Mm -hmm. So for her, that experience was previously uh, steeped in shame because her mom had given her this context of, you know, you're single, you're alone, you're shameful as a woman, you're bad. Right. So, she, but that, that wasn't hers. It didn't belong to her. So when she replaced it with what she wanted to think, feel and experience instead, you know, I want to think I am coming home to my apartment. This is going to be the time for me. I'm going to watch my shows. I'm going to cook a dinner that I want to eat. I want to feel a sense of control. I want to feel a sense of empowerment. I want to feel a sense of connection with myself and I want to experience my beautiful apartment. Mm. I want to experience right. the ways that I have lovingly decorated it. I want to experience being in this space that I have created for myself. And, and that's how you shift it. That's how you rewire. Yes. And guys, uh, listening, Think, feel, and experience. Memorize that because it's such a great, simple, just a life tip in general, you know? Oh, yeah. And the, the, what we're doing here is we're actually running through the cliff notes of two complex techniques that we teach in the Catalyst Intensive. Um, so, guys, if you're listening, you want to be a life coach, you like this stuff, come on in. We teach it. Yeah. Um, Another thing that I want to talk about is is what happens in your body and the mind-body connection and, and how we can kind of work with this stuff. So there's something called um, negative automatic thoughts. 
Right. And they're based right. on outside stimuli. They're like triggers. Uh, your nervous system kicks on. You, you have a physiological response to something, you know, and what your body is doing in these moments is telling you that there's something that is traumatic that you need to pay attention to. And you might experience it in your throat, your chest, tightness in your chest, a feeling in your stomach, a feeling in the back of your neck. Some people grind their teeth. They might experience pain in their face or head or headaches. Um, these are all somatic responses. And I think every single human out there can relate to that feeling of being unsettled and not quite right. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, so when you're, when you're replacing the technique, when you're using the replacement technique, it's also really important to consider how you want your body to feel. And, and when you do this across the board from somatic resonance, soma is your body through your head, um, you can entirely shift your full body response to outside stimuli that used to give you these really bad feelings. And with repetition and consistency of awareness and then replacement, you won't experience the somatic negativity. Yeah, I think we live in a world where, and I'm guilty of this, um, we run so much on logic, right? Our checklist, the things that we need to do, um, we're constantly thinking logical. But when we start talking about uh, the work in body and feeling and experiences, to me, um, it makes the world more three-dimensional and it kind of pulls you out of the logical plane and puts you into the here and now um, and also also connecting with yourself, which I think most of us, uh, because of life, we've disconnected with ourselves. Like we've just become logical creatures. Oh, yeah. We're so, I mean, and we are so I mean, so hence yoga and, and, and meditation, everything else that's exploding. Well, I mean, even, you know, all right. So think about, going and sitting down in a restaurant or at a bar or in a park, 80% um, of the people are going to be on their fucking phones, not aware of their surroundings, not engaging with other humans. They're not embodying their bodies in yeah, this moment. Yeah. You know, like you, when you guys do that, you're completely detached from yourself, from your surroundings, your, your, um, engaging your dopamine centers and your limbic system and you're not allowing yourself the embodied experience of living in 3d in the world that we exist in noelle told me once to smile more because no one in los angeles even makes eye contact let alone smile to people and i was like why what is that <laughs> what's the point of that how is that gonna uh, help anything um but, you know, again, the experience, the human connection, uh, the dopamine that that shoots into your brain, right? All of that stuff. So it's um, I can give you the deeper cut on that. So um, human beings uh, thrive and actually get healthier with love. And love is a word that has been assigned um, a lot of hallmark greeting style importance. And um, what love actually is in a neurobiological sense is a moment of micro connection between um, a human and a human or a human and a, a conscious animal like your dog where you are agreeing in that moment to give each other mutual care 
So it can be as simple as smiling at someone jogging by you as you're sitting on the park bench. It can be as simple as saying, have a great day and making eye contact with the person who has just poured your coffee rather than being on your phone with your earphones in and walking away. Um, and when we do that, when we have those exchanges of micro moments of connection, um, it causes cardiovascular healing and actually repairs your heart um, from all of the, the damage that negativity and fear and scarcity um, and uh, pain causes to your body. Mm. That's really interesting. Yeah. And, and, and also, you know, something, I, I use that example because smiling at someone is just so simple. It's something so, that, you know, so small, but it's not small, it's huge. It's huge, and it's becoming obsolete in our society. <laughs> which is sad. <laughs> it, which is really just incredible. We're becoming an, a fucked-up indoor species that doesn't know how to connect with each other. So I want to switch gears. What Noel and I do, um, we do a little question roulette, and so we take about four minutes. And what's fun about these is um, – so I get you know about 80 questions every time I post it on Instagram – um, and they only have about a sentence or two to answer, to ask me the question. So these, these are kind of hilarious and Noel and I will do our best to answer them. Okay. Noel, you ready? I'm ready. All right. So question one, and I'm just picking them randomly. Um, what are some tips on getting over someone you love so deeply? Oh, Jeez. I'm not the right person to ask that question of <laughs> next. <laughs> next question. Okay. Uh, well, you know what? I like poison. I think poison is a great method. The um, band? What are you talking about? Poison? <laughs> poison. You the know, poison band? Poison removes the problem. Mm. Go on. Next question. Yeah. And I, I just <laughs> want to say, um, I'll just say one thing to that. Uh, I think uh, we all get into the habit of playing the highlight reel and uh, feeling all the great stuff that happened in old relationships, but we rarely play the documentary. So my advice is to start playing the documentary and know that um, it broke up or you guys broke up for a reason. Okay, next question. Um, can you love someone that you lost respect for after admitting they had sex with another? So this is about infidelity. Yeah, so... Um... So I like Esther Pearl. Oh, Pearl. she's amazing. I love her. She's amazing. Yeah. She's so amazing. smart. So Esther Pearl uh, and, and her husband have been married for a really long time, but she describes them as being on their like seventh or eighth or ninth marriage as a couple. And that every time something shifts relationally, they have to renegotiate their marriage and kind of like start all over again and essentially choose each other again. Um, and, and I think, you know, the really important realization here is that when you go through a process of, of, you know, something has shifted in your relationship, whether it's the birth of a child or whether it's infidelity or whether it's moving to a new state or a new home or, you know, something in, in one or both of the partner's complex identities has changed, you, re you need to renegotiate and things are not going to go back to the way they were before, but there's also an opportunity for things to continue in a different state, in a different form. And how exciting is that, that you know, you're not with the same partner throughout your lifespan. You're with the same person who will be many different partners to you throughout your lifespan. Love that answer. Um, this is from our friend Andy. Would you rather every time you have sex, it lasts for five minutes or for five hours? 
Now, Andy is personally my favorite naked man. Um, <laughs> yes. Like, he will be nude again <laughs> when my book comes out. Like, so, you know, props to Andy for being my absolute favorite John Kim male model. Um, so, I mean, I five think... Five minutes or five hours? Five hours is a long time. That's Tantra, right? Yeah. There was a, but every time you, know you have sex... Well, let me, there was a great quote about Tantra that I read. Um, so you give your answer and let me pull up the quote because I think it's a good one to read. You know what? My, my initial thing was, uh, my initial thought was five minutes because there would just be five magical and meaningful minutes. But now that you mentioned Tantra, um, I would just have less sex. But when I do have sex, it would be fucking epic and it'll last for five hours. So it'd be almost like an event. So, so let me, let me, let me frame for you differently. What if, what if sex were an experience that lasted for five hours and foreplay was going swimming and then preparing dinner together and then, Oh, right. Yeah. Because most people think foreplay starts when you take your clothes off. Right. Right. It doesn't have to, it can be a letter. It can be, um, a wake, you know, it can be, (laughs) I'm awake. (laughs) Right. I'm I'm alive. (laughs) Right. Um, so here's, here, here's the quote, and I have to give Erica Hart credit for this. And if you guys have never checked out Erica Hart, she's a, a colleague of mine and a really phenomenal activist. And she says, what is um, liberation? And, and the definition applies to Tantra. It involves full integration of mind, body, and spirit. One does not contribute to a liberated existence without all three. It requires the deconstruction of the shackles on the body and the decolonization of the mind and is a spiritual practice that is grounded in a view of oneself as divine. Liberation requires an active practice that is centered on self-care, nature, and radical acceptance and the integration of it all. That is Tantra. So I would choose five hours of a full partnered integration of mind, body, and spirit of letting someone know me deeply on all three thresholds. I am convinced. And, uh, going, you know, going back to this idea of new experiences, um, that's a new experience that I would like to have. So thank you for that. You're welcome. All right, guys, that is this episode. Keep asking your questions. Noelle and I will do our best to answer them. And, uh, Noelle, thank you for your time and your brain and your wisdom and your friendship. Yeah, Indeed. <laughs> awesome. awesome. Guys, when you're out today, smile at someone. Take care. All right, be well.